Welcome to The Cleaning Podcast, dedicated content to answer all of your cleaning how-tos with the industry's most knowledgeable experts. If you need to clean it, sanitize it, deodorize it, and or otherwise remove from it all unwanted matter, you're in the right room. We are live in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Cleaning Podcast. Today, we're going to take a special look at the coronavirus and why is it scaring the heck out of so many people and causing so many other people to put their head in the sand. Uh, We're going to try to base this off what we're all about here, which is reason and science and fact-based information. And I want to make sure that you can do this on your own as well by going to both the CDC website and the WHO website. They've done a fabulous job collecting all the information, keeping it up to date, and making it super simple to go through so that you can get an understanding of what we are facing. Kind of related to that, as a business owner, I'd like to pose the question, how do you determine what is true? What does it take to shift your fundamental understanding of something that you believe? Uh, I'd like to introduce you a little bit to formal logic and suggest that you might want to go on the YouTubes and search out the fallacies that the uh, Aristotle and clan did some, I don't know, 300 BC, because they had all this stuff figured out. There's a list of fallacies that you can cover, and I think it would do business owners um, a good bit of good to be able to step back and remove yourself from your own bias. And it relates to what we're seeing here, because whether you like it or not, coronavirus is going to affect our way of life. It's already affecting Service Monster, as we are in Bellingham, which is very close to Seattle, which is turning into ground zero, essentially, for the United States uh, infection. But before I dive too deep, I want to introduce our expert guest. Perry Tate is an interesting guy. He runs... Uh, reach it polls. And he lived in a province just outside of Wuhan when the outbreak occurred. And he got his son to Thailand very soon uh, before, just before they closed the borders. So he has firsthand experience. He has industry knowledge. He understands the chemistry. He's a science minded individual. Um, and people joke about him being the social media pressure washing Wolverine in our industry. So Perry, thank you so much for joining us today with this very important topic. I would like you to introduce yourself to the audience here, kind of a brief history, who you are and why you're so passionate about cleaning. And then we'd love to hear about your experience there briefly um, when kind of Wuhan exploded. Cool. Thank you very much. I think it's a, it's a great thing. And I really appreciate you raising the, uh, the taboo topic, you know, because it's, uh, it's, it's very binary. Like people are either believing it all or not believing it all. And obviously the people that believe it all, you know, have got plenty of data to freak themselves out. And, um, and so, so it's a, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for you and me to talk and then share what we know and uncover what we don't know and see if we can go and find out what we don't know and share that, you know? So I know. You, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, basically, I'm a New Zealander, you know, born in New Zealand, um, 
and I joined the Royal New Zealand Navy at 15 uh, to be an officer under training um, and was seconded to the Australian Navy for my education. And then uh, when I got to 18, I went back to New Zealand to do my degree and uh, I'd grown from six foot when I was 15 to six foot six. And uh, my I went on exped, you know, trekking through the mountains and everything as they do, you know, when you're a, you're, you're a young soldier or whatever. Not, I mean, we were officers, not soldiers, but, you know, and Navy, not Army, but but the same logic. And then, um, anyway, so we ended up getting to the end of this exped, played a game of soccer against some civilians, and then I broke my leg in the middle of the bush and got flown to hospital in a helicopter. And uh, and they looked up at me and said, how tall are you? And I said, oh, I'm six foot six. And they said, ah, you're too tall for the New Zealand Navy because they've only got four destroyer escorts, right? Back then, this is something. 30 years ago, you know, so um, tiny little country, 4 million people, um, four ships, and uh, the highest point in, inside any ship was six foot two, so I got a medical discharge for, for the purpose of saving my back from being destroyed some point in my life if I stayed in the Navy, And um, but before that, I was actually um, uh, kind of uh, orphaned um, and uh, and fostered to a um, to a fantastic family. I, uh, you know, we talked before about me being fostered before to some not fantastic families, but this family was amazing, and uh, and they looked after me for several years between twelve and fifteen. And I grew up on a dairy farm, so you know, basically my memory of my youth is actually you know on a farm and and all the things that come with growing up on a farm is all that you know you have to solve all your own problems discover all this you can be curious you get responsibility and you know i used to have to milk the cows on my own when i'm 13 years old and all that sort of thing so you know i think i've built a fairly broad based um uh you know persona of solving problems i think you know apart from my character so sometime later you know i got married very young maybe 21 had three kids and um and then ended up unfortunately with a with a divorce, um, and then uh, and then so seven years after that I became single dad, and then I'm you know raising two kids, and uh, and I got involved in uh, in uh, selling franchises for VIP Home Services in Australia, and I sold like 250 franchises, and then I thought oh you know somebody came to me and said what about window cleaning you know they've seen these polls in the UK and you know should have you got those? And I said, well, we don't even have a window cleaning franchise, but let me have a look into that. And then as I went to the UK, studied with Ionics for a week with Craig Morlam and Ruben, and uh, who are really the founders. And, you know, Craig Morlam one of the one of the founding fathers of the pure water side. Well, he is the founding father of the pure water side of the window cleaning industry. And, um, and uh, so I got fascinated by this and, you know, went back and started building my own systems for Sydney because the UK systems are designed for the UK where they've got a lot of lime in their water and TDSs of, you know, 600 and 900 and 1200 and things like that. And, um, and Sydney just had a TDS of 100, so it's quite clean water and not very, not very difficult to purify. So we gravitated towards DI systems and... Then I'm out there debunking all the, you know, TDS, how many TDS does the water need to have? And I found out our water was spot free at 50 and everybody's saying 10 and all this kind of thing. And um, and I was importing these poles from Denmark and selling them. Well, we tried to sell them at the beginning and we went to the big shows and everything and nobody wanted to buy them. But what happened is people said, look, we're not interested in buying your equipment because we've never seen it before. But if you want to clean windows for us, you know, we'll give you 80% of the clip and uh, you go and go do it. So I built a, a window cleaning business you know, on the back end of, you know, all this stuff that I believed in. And then, um, so we did that for three years till 2000. 
2010, uh, 2009, I got involved with a Chinese guy who was a friend of mine. And we, we, I actually moved to China originally in 2010 with Echotherm.com, which is an Austrian company that sells solar heat thermal exchange systems for five-star hospitals and hotels, like basically zero failure, life of building um, hot water systems and heat exchange. And um, so I was there and I, uh, we went out and we spent a year together, you know, spending our own money and um, each. And then we got this big deal, which was a uh, million dollars US, 400,000 first, first phase. And, uh, and then I put my hand out and said, okay, well, give me my commission. It wasn't so much, like this 40,000 maybe, you know, for a year's work. But uh, my partner said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to give you any commission. I'll just pay your bills, you know, on the way through and we'll go and get another deal. And I go, mm, actually, I'm. It doesn't kind of work for me because I kind of see myself as, you know, being a, a business owner or a partner or something like that, not an employee. So I uh, I kind of said, that's not going to work. And I said, Harrison, look, we've been in China for, I don't know, a year. And I said, we're not going to go back losers. You know, we can't, you know, I'm going to go back and burn the bridges. So I went back and sold everything I had. And I didn't have very much. Like when I had about 6,000 US dollars that I could put together by selling everything I had at that point. That's what eight years of being a single dad can do to you. And um, and um, oh. and so we came back to China and I said, I've got this idea. I've cut down this pole for the for a water fed and I think, you know, the pole design's wrong and I think blah, 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 and I think I can make a better pole. And so I brought back this cut down version and I went out and tried to find, you know, I went to five different factories, ended up, you know, using three different factories and then we settled with one at that point. And we started reach it, you know, to make um, – you know, the car, in those days, it was just the fact that you could reach something high was was what was so amazing. You know, with a with a carbon fiber pole or whatever, um, because you know, because I'd been a window cleaner for three years and I was a like I'd specialized in the high reach stuff, which back then was five stories was as high as you could go with a hybrid pole. And so, you know, like I was always DIYing it, trying to get it to go faster, trying to save my body. And in the end, I was like crippled with a with a with a little knot in the back of my um, in my back, anywhere wherever it was, and uh, so I, I really was struggling to keep cleaning windows. So anyway, so there I was. I went back to Australia, picked up my stuff, whatever was left, sold the rest, and then um, moved to China and uh, said to my son, you know, he was 18 at the time. He'd come across with me the first time when he was 17, and uh, I said, look, you know, I can't give you this uh, education thing, you know, which some can, you know, but what I can do is I can start a business with you and I'll either show you how it works or show you how it doesn't work. You know, well, we've got no idea. So um, <laughs> so we started Reach It and we started with the poles and then we worked through the, you know, hoses and tubes and then we started focusing on the brush and I met this amazing guy who is Dr. Douglas J. Mills from Fort Worth, Texas. He's now in Dallas. Uh, he's, he was a, uh, he's an ER doctor now, but he was a uh, head of occupational health um, for – for the, for the army for managing the um, occupational health and safety issues for the 30,000 civilians working for the army in Fort Worth and uh, assessing their things. And so he spent three months, he had a project that he was building in China for some ratchets. And, um, and he spent three months with me, we became very good friends. And he showed me that I had a tool and that this was, this is not a waterhead pole. It's a tool. It's a, a linear by, by manual. Anyway, he had a whole scientific term for it. So, so after that, I mean, uh, you know, I became even more passionate about, you know, ergonomics, um, 
you know, he explained to me all the, you know, that work is a scientific term, force through distance. And, you know, if you can reduce the amount of force required or effort required, then you can make something, you know, safer. And if you can reduce the amount of distance that the, that the tool travels, then you know, he could be, you know, both safer and more efficient. And that's what kind of started my faster, better, safer, you know, kind of passion about realizing that I'm a tool manufacturer that has to deliver, um, I have to deliver a faster tool. It's not whether I can clean a window or not. You can clean a window with, with newspaper and spirits. You know, it's <laughs> the question is how fast can you clean a window as makes you a better tool maker. So anyway, so that's my, that's my, you know, 10 year, 10 years from start to finish in, um, in, in becoming a manufacturer from being a window cleaner. And now we're doing good. We're, we're hey. kind of global business, you know, we're not huge, but, but we're happy. We've got our share, you know. What year did you start reach it? To, uh, we registered futurecleaning.com on April 2010. Uh, 2011. Cool. And you're Sorry, 2011. So we moved to China April 2010, started Future Cleaning April 2011 with Harrison. And is Harrison still part of the team? Oh, sure. He came to me. He came to me. He's 27 now. He came to me at 25 and he says, you know what? He said, I've spent my whole life in this company. Okay. Dude, you knew nothing when you were 18. Like, you know, um, you know, like your your added value when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, going through all those years, which boys do as they grow up, you know. But, you know, then I, got, I went back and I sort of woke up the next morning. I said, you know what? He's right. He spent his whole life. So I said to him, look, I'm going to make you a 50-50 partner, um, you know, because I need you and you need me. And I want it to be a family business and a legacy business. So now Harrison's um, been general manager of the factory. We're, we're, we're sliding him. He's also creative director. He makes all the videos and builds the websites and does all that sort of thing as well. And, uh, and, uh, and then my daughter Bree has joined us. She's customer service and she's going to be um, looking after the members of the, the new app that we've developed. And then her husband has now joined us as the international sales manager. So we're actually, getting that family thing going, which is, which is quite, I don't, I don't know if you can imagine, but if you raise two children on your own and they come back and become your key people in your business, you know, 10, 15 years later, it's, it, there's a little compliment sitting in there somewhere, you know? <laughs> there, yeah. I, um, I homeschool. We have six kids. Uh, my oldest son, Ethan has been working for service sponsors since he was 14. Um, there you go. And at first he was, QA. And when he was 16, he started slinging code. He's 19 oh. now. And he's the only full stack developer who can also do mobile. Besides myself, I have on the team. And he's the only one wow. this team sends in to say, you need to tell your dad, this is what he needs to do. <laughs> and they send that in Ethan. <laughs> Well, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, it's well, the a, only warning people he, the only warning people gave me when I had a nineteen year old son is wait until he gets a girlfriend, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he had a girlfriend but, yeah, for like four so years. During, oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's good. But it you is. know, it's, it's incredibly rewarding as a dad to, you know, you know, we're definitely the envy of a lot of people when they see how close Harris and I as friends. You know, we can spend every day together, and you know. You know, he kind of says to me, like, we're in Thailand now, but, you know, and he just said to me the last night, he said, tomorrow night I'm going out on my own. I said, it's cool. You know, but it's kind of funny that he'd even need, even want to say that. How many sons say that to their dads? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Very good. And then, um, so tell us about it. So you're, uh, wh where were you staying, you know, in December when the uh, outbreak happened? Right. So our, our city is, uh, is Ningbo, 
which is about 200 miles south of Shanghai, which is an hour and 40 minutes in a fast train, and uh, and which gives you that dimension. Because I've also got a wife, a new wife, like for 10 years, not 10 years, I better not say 10 years, but it must be either that or I've been in China for longer. But anyway, it's pretty close. You know, we got married a year after I got there. And um, and a little boy who's nine years, but you can do your maths. It was um, it was one of those marriages. But but we're still together ten years later, which kind of everything's worked out fantastic, and we've got a, a magnificent little boy who's incredible um, together. And we I don't live we don't live together, but we she works in our company also. My wife does, and you know supports us from from Shanghai, and then we go on holidays and spend weekends together. So it's kind of a, one of those funny little. You know the cultures are too different for us to live in the same house together with her parents and everybody. You know, but 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 the marriage is sure. is is solid. You know, so yeah. So I've got yeah. those, and then so Ningbo is actually six hundred miles from Wuhan, but it's but it became a this it, it never went into the lockdown that Wuhan and Hubei. Hubei is the province or the state, like in, in American terms, we'd say the state, right? And the Chinese will call it a province. So Ningbo is in Zhejiang province, and Ningbo. And Zhejiang never got locked down like Wuhan did because Wuhan had what we think is probably that L strain virus that's continued to be very virulent and and deadly. Um, and uh, and Ningbo just had a you know more a, a bigger outbreak than anybody else. But that's probably because you know Ning, Ningbo is directly east of Wuhan. So when the when the when the when the Hubei people you know go to find work in a big city, they come to Ningbo. You know. So there was that transmission, yeah. you know, during that time. So yeah, right. So we got when we left. You... Like if you look at the the dates, you know, um, you know, the first cases, the first case declared uh, under who is December the eighth, um, and then uh, January, uh, who got informed on December thirtieth, um, January twenty first. I had a friend who went to a wedding for some Danish friends of ours. And in Wuhan, and he flew back on the 21st of January, and we had drinks and and everything with him on the 22nd and 23rd, and on the 24th they locked down Wuhan, and anybody who'd been in and out of Wuhan was at risk, and so we ultimately became at risk, so we were kind of uh, marked, and we self-marked ourselves because we'd we'd been with a guy who'd just flown out of Wuhan on on a on what was actually a very deadly date, the 21st of January, a lot of people travelled from the 21st who died, and um, and then on the 24th they locked down uh, Wuhan, and on the 27th I said to Harrison, "This is not good. We're out. You know, better to be safe than sorry." And and also because we were already in um, in house arrest, but not this, but there were, but our city hadn't been locked down, and it never did get locked down, but. Um, but, uh, you know, I just said, Harrison, we'd be better sitting on a beach and doing all this than sitting in an apartment, getting angry at each other. So we did, basically, we moved to Thailand, you know, on the 27th, like three days after they locked down Wuhan. So, and then my wife and, and, and Ollie are still in Shanghai. Shanghai is actually pretty safe, but it's, again, everybody's in self-quarantine, the whole city. And because my, my wife lives with her mom and her mom's elderly and has some health issues. And she just said, you know, I just, even though I want to come and bring Ollie and everything, I just can't, can't leave my mom. And I said, that's fair enough. You know, that's, you know, that's what family is, you know? So, so they're still in Shanghai. So um, I'm hearing that Wuhan might be lifting some restrictions. Schools might be reopening. Can you confirm no. those reports? No, no. 
no. no. China's schools are still shut. Like Ollie's in Shanghai. Shanghai's had zero cases for uh, maybe 14 days, but they're still they're still on um, you know basically homeschool principles. You know the government's open 10 TV channels for for education, and they have 20 minute educational um, sessions every one at one an hour. You know all the way through the day, and um, so they run the wow, run the whole fast. of the national. Yeah, yeah, really fast. It's China fast. So, <laughs> hey, well, you know, so, no bureaucracy. They just do it. Exactly. What's that? Partisan? Very good. Like the equivalent of partisan? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying not to be. Let's just not do that. Um, but very good for. No. Thank you for for sharing your story, and and we hope everything oh. works out with uh, your wife. Um, we're glad that you and your son are safe. I assume that your son and daughter are also out at this point yeah they're in my, my my other son and daughter in perth australia yeah so they're good very good very good oh oh okay so um let's just dive right in here i i do want to start off maybe on a cautionary note i everything seems to be so polarized the people who are gathering data or think they're gathering data from credible sources um, there's a lot of scare tactics going on and the media is certainly talking it up. Um, and then yes. people are kind of freaking out. So we have this population of people that are absolutely losing their damn minds. And then we've yes. got on the other side, another series of population who believes that this is just like the flu. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody should be making it that big of a deal. Everybody's being silly. Um, and so just to start off, I just want to read from the CDC, the current risk assessment that they're that they have identified uh, with relation to this virus and the American population, which the vast majority of our listenership is going to be in the United States. So yes. here's what the CDC is saying currently: for the most of American public who are unlikely to be exposed to this virus at this time, the immune health risk from COVID nineteen is considered low. People in communities where ongoing community spread with the virus that causes COVID-19 has been reported are at elevated, though still relatively low risk of exposure. Health workers caring for patients with COVID-19 are at elevated risks of exposure. Close contacts of persons with COVID-19 also are at elevated risk of exposure. And then, of course, travelers recurring from affected international locations where community spread is occurring are also at risk of elevated exposure. So there's a different reports about the severity. But right now, I think knowledge and information is key. Again, I'm going to point you to do your own research through much of this with the WHO and CDC websites who've done an amazing job putting this stuff together. Um, but we do need to kind of look at this. And I, one thing I want to talk about, Perry, is that no, this is not the flu. Um, now, not the flu. <laughs> first of all, I just, we're going to address it, but I want to point out the fact that the whole argument is a fallacy anyways, right? Again, uh, Aristotle and his merry men, this is a red herring. This is when you bring up a completely unrelated fact. It's only related because they're viruses, but I can say, Hey, health uh, heart conditions kill more people than anyone else on the planet. Why are we still making Doritos? Um, why are we still making tobacco? 
you know, uh, automobiles kill more people. Why are we still making automobiles? Right. So you can start to have those weird conversations. It's not really what we're talking about, but we can compare it. The problem is, is when you say the flu, do you even know what you're talking about? Because I got a flu shot and it included two strains, including N1H1. Anyone remember that little guy? And so (laughs) when you talk about the flu, exactly which flu and strain are you talking about? And at what period of time are you talking about it before or after a virus was made? So what else, Perry, can we say that this is most certainly not like the flu? What do we know? Well, we we know several things um, that we know that it's got um, a, a, a 80% genetic uh, alignment with SARS, but it's not SARS. We know that it's biphasic um, or one of the strains is biphasic, which means that it's got two attack timings. So it goes through one phase and then it goes into its second phase. Um, we know that it's uh, asymptomatic. We know that it's airborne, so it's it's not just um, sneezes and droplets. Um, we know that it can stay alive, in particular on banknotes. I think Who has published that now, up to nine days. They said not on packages because they said it's probably. I'm thinking it's probably because people carry the banknotes in their pockets, so the the banknote stays warm, or something. And it's got it's got organic matter on it because people are touching it and feeling it all the time. So it's got probably something to live with. But, you know, this. You can send the, those banknotes to me does, and I'll clean the them for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that too. How to clean them. Yeah. So, That's right. so there's lots of things. And then the other thing is for America, because there's been no supply of tests for COVID 19, which is its actual name now, um, coronavirus is actually um, a, a family of viruses you know yeah and um, it's funny so, because the so, people will get the antibiotic bottles and then look and see look at we already know about coronavirus it's like yeah it's a family of viruses people we're concerned because yeah. this has a specific strain a specific footprint and now it has two strains you'll hear about l you'll hear about s um and yeah. you know l's the bad one and s is you know less bad but also bad <laughs> and and yeah yeah so c- carry on yeah, and we know, and we know that it can be contained. You know, China's proven that it's got um, fourteen provinces with no declared cases in fourteen days. So we know that it can be contained with um, with self quarantine, um, but probably so can the flu. You know, that's uh, I listened to Trump the other day, and he said, you know, we're probably going to end up with a lot you know, as as a result of coronavirus, we're going to end up with a lot less flu infections as well because everybody will start the new normal of how to shake hands, just pumps or tap feet or whatever. And, uh, and uh, you know, we'll end up with this more hygienic way of life between us all, you know, and, uh, and we'll probably end up with less diseases all around next year, you know. So, and there's more, there's lots of data on it, you know, as to why it's not the flu. But uh, the other, well, this I was going to say, because America doesn't have any tests for COVID-19, you don't know that the flu is not COVID-19. Well, we firstly the the most important thing to identify that from an American point of view is that right up until now the first tests for COVID nineteen I think you know maybe except for a couple in in Seattle where they went to those nursing homes and everything but they dropped forty six tests out to that Grace um, cruise liner with five thousand people on board off off the side of California um, so and then you know I listened to Vice President Pence this morning you know 
saying that there's going to be a million tests, you know, pushed out to the labs and they've, you know, done a deal with the labs in every state. And so, you know, there's no way of testing whether people's got COVID-19 anyway. So anything that looks like the flu could be COVID-19, could be not. And then if you look at the China situation and the Italian situation, the Iranian situation, the Japanese situation, the Korean situation, then it's just not the flu. You know, it's much more serious. It's got a higher mortality rate. It's got different symptoms. You know, it starts with a dry cough. It's not phlegmy. Um, you know, and um, and it's easier and, to get. And, you and, can and transmit just, just it before you're symptomatic. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The, the the transmission issue, and then um, um, the 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 uh, that the point that other people have recovered and then you know still testing positive. So nobody knows whether they're symptomatic or not. Or, or contagious or not. So there's many, many things, but the, the, probably the thing that we should hang on is that who the World Health Organization has said desperately, it's not the flu. And we have to stop people thinking it's the flu. Desperately, they're, they're saying that. In, in fact, if you yeah, go to I the, mean, there's, a great, there's a great part on the WHO website, which actually says, um, you know, myths. I, I read it all this morning, you know, all the myths. Yeah, and I see it. I've got it actually sitting up right here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great yes. starting point for everybody just to go and read all that, you know, because the who, who is not able to make money out of this, right? They can't sell a vaccine. They can't, you know, they're, 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 they're completely independent and the people that have spent, you know, their lives studying and preventing, um, you know, pandemics that's their that's their function and and you read the, the uh, you must have read what they wrote this morning i mean this is this is not a this is not a drill this is it and it says it says maybe this we've spent the last 30 years getting ready for this and we have to do what needs to be done because this is it you know it's it is actually that serious i got goosebumps in i hate that <laughs> it, it is the, that serious and we need to take it that serious we need to not yes. panic. We need the information, but we can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, on the other side, too, it doesn't help. I see I see both people ignoring stuff, and then I see inflated numbers or using outliers as means. Um, and so, yes. again, I'll say uh, get your information from credible sources. And there will be tons of people who say, oh, who's political? And CDC is, you know, conspiratorial. Yeah. It's like – Again, these are fallacies. We have the data that we have, and that is the data that we need in order to make decisions with the world around us. And so you can wish it any other way, and you can pretend that it doesn't exist, uh, but these organizations are here to help and get information out. And, you know, and, and sometimes they don't always agree. Um, I, Perry and I had talked about whether hand sanitizers or washing your hands was the preferable method. It seems like we have different information there, but that's the key, right? Being able to take a step back and check yourself and say, am I right about all this? And assume coming from an assumption that you're wrong and then being able to then say, okay, well, what does it look like? If I start from zero, where, I, where do I go? Credible sources. What does this look like? Um, because again, you be, might be in Nebraska and like nothing, you're not affected at all, yeah. but I'll tell you the people in Never. Seattle are freaked the hell out. And the people in Wuhan are sick of staring at their walls. 
It's like, yes. <laughs> you know, it's a yes. real deal. The economy is going to take a hit. Your service business is going to lose clients or people who are going to cancel because commercial yep. account can't keep yep. their doors open because they don't have the inventory from China. And your residential clients are going to cancel because they don't want you bringing the virus from their neighbor to you when they did when you did the cleaning for them in the morning. So, you know, there's ways to safeguard your business from this. But at the end of the day, when you when, when the community around you has decided that it's going to shut down, you're going to have to roll with that partner. <laughs> That's just going to be the new normal. Um, so one thing I want to address, Perry, I like uh, you were headed in this direction. So I want to kind of tie this together. I kind of think this is a, you know, yes, that we've been preparing 30 years for this one. And hopefully within the next year, year and a half, we'll have a virus. It'll be like N1H1, except a little bit nastier, a little bit easier to transmit. And maybe those um, who are more susceptible around us will, will have less of a chance. But at the end of the day, I consider this a smoke test. 7.5 billion people on the planet with an agriculture needed to support it. We are a giant Petri dish. And we are going to be continually seeing these new viruses and bacteria assault us and our way of life. And so I think as in the cleaning industry, partially accepting that and then accepting your part that you can do in that um, would be wise. So not only just debunking it because you don't feel like it or it's icky and not just freaking out and wanting to, you know, store large amounts of toilet paper and go hide in your <laughs> compound. Like I, I, I get both reactions, but if you can position yourself on that razor's edge in the middle where you're saying, look, let's be level headed. This is, there's, this is bad. There's things that we're going to do. It's going to change our way of life, but it's also not the completely end of the world. Let's take a look at what we can do to minimize this and be that voice of reason. As a cleaner, you have a unique position to be an expert in your industry, and you can then do some interesting things like that. Um, Perry, let's talk about what the pressure washers can do to offer services that are being offered in China to their local communities. Yes, yes. So, but I was going to just mention on that last point you raised, there's a, there's a beautiful irony that's going to sit in, in this, that the people who choose to, to, to not believe what's happening could end up being proved right by the people who choose to believe what's happening and do what needs to be done to control coronavirus, COVID-19. Because they'll go, Isn't that beautiful? control it, contain it, mitigate it, and then the other people see told you so death rate wasn't that high not that big a deal oh, <laughs> yeah that's so hilarious i'll be right there's a beautiful <laughs> you're right there's total beautiful irony in that 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 people have the privilege of staying willfully ignorant yes classic but if everybody did like the situation i ran right now where they're licking the wall you know to prove that 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 you know god will save them or whatever you know um, and of course, the Italians have been told to stop the double kiss greeting. You know, President Trump's already said, let's not uh, shake hands. But, uh, uh, Netanyahu has instructed Israelis to stop the single kiss and use the Indian greeting similar to the Thai greeting of the hands held together in front of you in a bow. Right. He's actually said that, you know, publicly for his people to say, you know, we need to stop that close contact greeting. You know, so. Hey, uh, my vote, people- my votes for Vulcan. That we do, you know, the Spock. That's that's. Can we? Are we allowed to cast votes? 
there's two of us and we like each other so <laughs> we win <laughs> there you go i think that's how a club oh, sandwich was made what, what the robin williams nanu nanu you know <laughs> there you go yeah nanu nanu <laughs> so yeah so Totally. I think it's, I think, look, this is going to be a thing. You know, people are using the memes like first N1H1 and swine flu and this, and it's like, yeah, all that's true. Why, why is that debunking <laughs> what's currently yeah, going way, on? By the way, N1H1 type A is your, is one of the two current influenzas in America right now. Type A. I saw it on the news today. That's the one they're dealing with. So. So um, I got yeah, one it's, of it's, it's never finished. <laughs> yeah, never, never. Mm. So um, yeah, so talk Let's about talk this about, opportunity I'll, I'll for pressure washers. Else. Oh, but let me give you another piece of data um, to talk about viruses and and just how serious a virus can be. There's a there's a, a uh, by the way, I'm a big Tucker Carlson fan, but he he calls this the China virus, you know, which I think is uh, um, a little bit unfair. But but there's a there is a virus called the African um swine virus or pig virus right and it got from africa came into china 60 percent uh, well not the the mortality rate from the african swine flu is 90 percent 90 percent of pigs that catch that flu die that's horrific so yeah. china has culled 60 percent of its swine herd its pork oh. food supply 60 percent yeah, <laughs> to try and stop, to try and stop that that movement of, of, of a virus through a um, breed of living beings, you know. So there you My go. Gosh. All right. So let's go. Let's go. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you some of the precautionary things that, that China put into place. Um, and uh, so, firstly, obviously, the self quarantine. Each person is allowed um, in and out of their compound once every two days in the mild risk areas um, to go and buy food. One person from each household, and uh, in the in Wuhan, it's one person every five days is allowed in and out. Um, and that's obviously to try and reduce the, the the exposure of people to people, you know. And then, so internally, then the the hand sanitizer is uh, promoted above hand washing not to say don't wash your hands but they they promote that it's more effective than um washing hands and then uh in our factory uh, no in all factories we have to and all trucks and in the streets you see those big big guns on the back of you know huge water tankers shooting you know a mist into the air like the like yeah. the mosquito um sprays you see in asia all the time anyway so those machines already exist for the killing mosquitoes in the mosquito season. Um, so they blasting sodium hypochlorite chlorine um, into the air, you know, sanitizing, killing the virus if it's if it's airborne wherever it is. And in our factory, we have one member of staff um, who twice a day has to go through the factory spraying a mist of um, of uh, sodium hypochlorite throughout the factory to disinfect it before and after work. So hmm. now in China, we can ask our staff to do that. Obviously, they wear PPE and um, and do the right thing. But but in America, it's unlikely that a staff member who's you know office desk person is going to don on <laughs> you know PPE. So the opportunity for our industry, being the cleaning industry, especially already dealing with chlorine and everything, is um, 
is that you know we can do this we can offer this desanitization service you know for for the people for the areas where people are going back to work it's not going to happen at schools because the schools are most likely going to be shut down i know sydney's already shut three schools down yesterday um in australia um, you know and there's uh, i read today there's 21 seattle, countries have got school closures seattle has school closures yeah they shut down schools mm. near the uh near the old folks home where we the lost cluster. eight right. elderly yeah yeah so and uh, service monster's not too far from there so oh my goodness yeah so so i believe there's a fantastic opportunity for the industry to get together and and get our knowledge together um understand what we're dealing with so that we can talk with credibility to the local governments and then offer ourselves together as a as a disinfecting service provider you know it'll be overnight you know so it'll be like snow plowing or whatever you know kind of thing you know so you and um and commercial cleaning you know that kind of you know that kind of genre of business you know that's not going to be during the day because people will be in, in those work zones um right but you know we we could get together and say look we understand the situation we're an industry we um we have the equipment we have the knowledge we have the sds sheets we have the safety training we have the ppe um you know we're we're, we're ready and able to to provide a service to to reduce the risk of you know in, of infection from the virus living on a surface you know longer than um overnight you know yeah and i i think this is brilliant for the pressure washers um for the carpet cleaners made services um, I would suggest that you become the expert so that you can educate your client and then maybe leave them with a bottle of um, some sort of a sanitation solution. Um, maybe leave them a note um, or send them an email about how you are going to protect them, how you're going to keep your staff healthy. And if anyone's not healthy, you're going to go ahead and excuse them. Um, you know, from entering their homes. They, there's a lot that you can do to help mitigate the panic around you and not only not lose business, but be seen as the go-to. Again, though, you got to walk that razor's edge. You got to be able, this is a controversial topic. You know, I rarely yeah. post polarizing things. And when I talked about how people are on one side or another, people were on one side or another <laughs> and they just came out and, you know, and right. so again, it's, it's important you get your own information. It's important you pay attention to the, to the uh, information from who and CDC and you're up to date on that stuff and that you can be, you could play a part in your community and in uh, mitigating the spread of this virus. Uh, and if you're a pressure washer, then you can offer your services and uh, maybe support your business and local community at the same time. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Do you want to add anything else, Perry? I know it's a complicated topic. I don't want us to go too deep. I'm not an expert, right? Um, so I don't want to, you know, pretend like that we, that I am. Um, and I'm certainly can be wrong and have been wrong and will be wrong again. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize that um, you got to check what what's true. What do you believe is true? And then just assume you're wrong and, and try not to throw your bias in there. Um, yes. And I so, think, you know, kind of try triangulate data, like don't, don't rely on a single source, you know, and then that's why we talk about, you know, CDC and, um, and, uh, and the who 
which is the, the website for who is who.int for international. Um, and I think also, you know, listening to um, Vice President Pence, his daily briefings um, bring you completely up to date, you know, each day with how it's being dealt with in America. And I think that that, that is also, you know, because America's got a unique opportunity. I mean, when President Trump, you know, shut down uh, the travel in and out of China is an unprecedented, never been done before move, you know, and which ultimately stalled the virus from getting to the US and certainly stalled and absolutely would have significantly reduced the total number of people that could possibly come in, you know, when they're, when they're asymptomatic, you know, from, from that initial outbreak. And then, um, and then not seeing it as China virus because, you know, some of the, well, China now, like, let me give you an idea. If you enter China now, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days if you come in from over, from abroad. And if you come in from Iran, Japan, Korea, uh, Italy, um, you you actually get taken into a Chinese medical facility that's similar to what happened to the returning um, expats from Wuhan, which, uh, you know, when the U.S. flew back, um, you know, two plane loads of 747s, you know what I mean, those people. Yeah, um, yeah. They went into a, they went into an American an American quarantine facility. So if if somebody comes in from Iran or Italy or something like that, then they actually get taken to a Chinese facility, you know. And uh, you go, whoa, you know. So China's now trying to protect itself from being infected from these other countries. And you know, there's some other little things. You know, like when it started in Iran, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows whether somebody in Wuhan went to Iran and infected 26 ministers of parliament. Nobody knows if somebody went from Wuhan and went to the EU parliament because there's a member of parliament in the EU that has, has coronavirus. You know what I mean? There's some, there's some very yep. high level people that are, that are, that are sick with this and the vice president of Iran is dead. And, you know, the, and you know, the, the, the advisor to the Pope, it's got coronavirus. You know, there's some there's some very high level people that have got this virus, and you go, well, these are the people who actually know what's going on. Like, the good government doesn't always tell the whole story all at once. Quite often, good right. government actually layers layers bad news, you know, so that people can just take it on board without going into a panic. And that's you know one of the sad, I guess, one of the sadder parts of telling the truth is sometimes you have to layer truth out step by step. You know, if you've got bad news to tell somebody, you, you don't just go. Hey, you know, I've got cancer. I'll be dead in three weeks. You might, you might say, you know, what would happen if, you know, I had cancer, and uh, you know, maybe I sh we should get our, my affairs in order, kind of thing. Like, you know, you might say something like that it's first, like, you know, to somebody. It's like the Gandalf <laughs> method, right? Didn't no. Gandalf introduce the dwarves to to the bear man like one at a time? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah so so that but, and that's another consideration so that's why we should just listen to these guys as they layer it out and then i love it that we can i really love the opportunity that the that the industry has because we have several bodies the pwna the pwmca you know um and uh and and you know groups of people that are really dedicated to the professionalism of the industry and we could you know really um present ourselves to government you know, because the way America works, you know, they, they, they like to deal with with one big group, you know, like the labs, you know, the way, you know, Trump and Pence are dealing with the, 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 the labs now. The, la the laboratory industry in America is so consolidated with these big companies, you know. So they go and talk to those guys and say, okay, 
let's deal with you guys and then you work out with the states with their independent labs and you know let's make it all happen so if we presented a simple solution they only have to talk to you know a couple of people in our industry and and we can make it happen for them you know maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a gig you know and it's not a gig as in let's make all this money or let's price gouge or let's profiteer from it it's a it's a gig of service which also will supplement our incomes when there's no doubt that um that some of our other business is going to drop off yeah i nobody would really work, caution going to ask for things to be cleaned you know this, the, the yeah, i would really caution are using be, this not going to be filling up with grease. yeah totally and i would strongly caution not using this as a a scare tactic or a marketing ploy no. or a gimmick to yeah. overcharge or, or to tools. sell, right. Yeah. Like, you know, buying uh, hand sanitizer and selling it for 50 bucks, you know, a piece or like, <laughs> that's just garbage business. Like I'm, or I'm toilet paper for that. Matter. That's what's happening there. in Australia. Australia, they're buying, yeah. they're buying the toilet paper. The, the, our largest manufacturer of toilet paper has put a video up on national news saying, here's our warehouse. We have no shortage. The reason the shelves are empty is because we don't have enough trucks to drive the toilet paper every day enough for you people to hoard. (laughs) We we have no shortage of supply of that. Oh, I'll tell you another thing. Just just little inserts from my experience. So we're in the position right now where we're hiring a new accountant for our Chinese factory. And my wife does the, uh, the final interview by, by video, you know. And so we're interviewing two Ningbanese middle-aged women, which is kind of like an ideal profile for us for an accountant. Stable personalities, stable life, you know, want to work for a long time, all that kind of thing. Anyway, so she said to me yesterday, she says, I asked these people why they uh, don't have a job right now. And she said both of them came from companies that went declared bankruptcy at the end of February um, and paid out their staff and closed their doors. So these are these are businesses that would be servicing, let's say, the airline industry, the entertainment industry. You know, I've got a friend of mine who's got the largest entertainment company in China. He's got uh, 183 bands that he runs in the Shangri-La, the Intercontinental, you know, the Marriott, you know, the, 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 the bars and the, and, the, and the hotels and everything. He terminated the entire workforce. His business went from hero to zero <laughs> in one wow. day. You know, wow. and and you can't rebuild that stuff. You know. Yeah. So so yeah, we, we, we should look at that. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to be affected. You know, I mean, mm. at some point, depending on how um, Bellingham and, and Whatcom County react. I might have to be distributed workforce. Now I'm lucky enough to already be set up for that. All of our employees could work from home because sometimes we have bad winners and we're a virtual business, Mm -hmm. but how is a service business supposed to survive when they're on lockdown? Right. And so, um, and especially weathering the storm of, you know, the seasonal, right. We dry up December, January, February, and it's not until March that things really start to pick up. And so if you've been, you know, if you've been squirreling your nuts away and you're like, man, I got no nuts left and you're mm-hmm. waiting for those jobs to fire back up and then they don't polar vortex did that to them like four or five years ago. So yep. anyways, yep. you know, yep. stuff happens. You got to no, prepare for it. It's part of being a business owner. That's part of being a business owner. And I think there's a, there's another thing that we should address for, but not that I know the answer, Joe, but, but, but we should address this, right? If, 
communities go into self-quarantine and we're mobile contractors, right? The question is, can we get, can we, and this is why I believe we have to work as an industry, not as individuals. So anybody listening to this, you know, saying I'm going to act as an individual, uh, you know, I think we should work as an industry and go to local government and say, look, we're mobile. We should be given a, a certificate of pass or a license to move in the city because we can wear PPE, we can disinfect, you know, we can provide a service. We're well-informed, you know what I mean? So we, we could present ourselves as a united resource for local government to continue, you know, the, the mitigate situation, you know? But if we don't, do they don't even the know we're position? here because we're such, a, we're such a cottage industry. Like, nobody, you know, Trump's not going to ring somebody and say, get me all the pressure washers in the country, you know? Who, who do you think is in the best position to wrangle the troops? Bo Gazzetti. That's just, that's it. That's the name. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you said who, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I, was How do I not know? That? How do I not know this person? <laughs> Bo Gazzetti is the president of the Pressure Washers of North America Association. Ah, yes. Very good. Um, yeah. It's only, it's not a big, I mean, none of these orgs are particularly big compared to the number of no. people because there's so often politics that kind of tears people in and out, a bit like Facebook right now. You know, It's unbelievable. So, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so, and it's the same thing with the carpet cleaning industry. Same thing with the window cleaning industry. When you get into the education yeah. and um, associations, like just politics becomes way of life. And then it's a cyclical whether they do well and or they're doing right by the industry or they're not or a couple personalities will hang out way too freaking long or people don't know yep. when to back out because they're toxic to the thing that they want to deal. It's just it gets crazy, man. And it's it's the same story over and over again. I'm like, I've seen this movie. Like, what? Yes. I don't get how people can't understand this. That's that's the only the only really nice thing about getting old is you've seen it all before and it sounds really corny if somebody's young and goes, yeah, 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 but it's a different generation, different whatever. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like as I always say to Harrison, I say, listen, here's the simple dis distinction. I've been 27 and you've never been 57. Yeah. You know, so we, we, we do have, you know, a, a, a lot of experiential knowledge especially those of us who are incredibly curious and actually do research everything like i know you're a, that's right a, 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 an addicted researcher <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> i don't think i have a choice i am joe and i'm an addicted researcher i have a um i have a coronavirus joke but i don't know okay. if it'll work with my accent um so a guy walks into Home Depot, right? And he goes, uh, goes to the to the girl. Um, you know, do you know what what's the best thing to to clean? You know, with um, uh, the coronavirus. And she goes, Oh yeah, ammonia cleaner. And he says, Oh, I thought you worked here. It, it, <laughs> so yeah, no, that would ammonia, nowhere. I have no ammonia, ammonia, ammonia. I'm only a cleaner. Yeah. yeah. I'm only a cleaner. Oh, I thought you worked there. <laughs> that's kind of funny, I thought. Anyway. Boom, thought boom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. uh, very good. Well, Perry, th thank you so much for the level headed, introspective, and data based conversation.
you're welcome. <laughs> I hope we can continue. I really hope that the, I hope everybody can raise all the questions that we don't know the answers to. And then we'll, I mean, I'm, you know, quite passionate about staying, you know, well-informed, you know, both for me, my family, my business, my customers, you know, the world at large, you know, like I, you know, put my bit in where I can, you know, but um, certainly, you know, if people do want to ask questions, you know, let's gather them together. You and I as addictive researchers can go off and see if we can find answers for everybody. And, you know, maybe yeah. you can reach out to Bo and get him to listen to this and see the opportunity maybe to pull the troops together, you know? Totally. Um, and then the last little thing, I want to leave uh, everybody with just two little tips, one of which you can pass on to your uh, customers, the other of which is for you. Uh, the CDC has an approved list of cleaning products that are effective in destroying and killing and eradicating these little guys. So um, get familiar with the list. Uh, but it's, you know, mostly going to be bleach and alcohol and um, hydrogen peroxide. So, you know, business as usual. Uh, the tip that you can pass on is I know hand sanitizers are being shortaged everywhere. And uh, maybe you can find some aloe vera gel and some isopropyl alcohol. If you take two-thirds of a cup of alcohol and one-third of a cup of aloe vera, you can make your own hand sanitizer. And according to China, that's a better way to go. According to the U.S., wash your hands for 20 seconds or more and uh, don't touch your face. In hot like, water. Don't touch your face. Yeah, hot water. Hot water is oh. good. Although, you know, like <laughs> like Perry said, one of the things here that I saw is debunked is is the heat thing because uh, you can't boil yourself and it lives inside you. So what's up with that? Yeah. Just a bunch, of, bunch yeah. of things that you need to question yourself on on a regular basis and keep up to date on what's going on as they find it. And hey, a thought for everybody here in Seattle and everywhere around the world who's got to deal with this and has family who for them this is a very real thing thanks again perry yes and think of the think of the elderly and think of the weak and think of how to protect them you know because that's we all have a responsibility to it and then don't don't be blase and run around you know as if you're not an asymptomatic carrier because everybody who's running around as an asymptomatic carrier thinks they're not an asymptomatic carrier absolutely you know, and the that's average the average person touches their face 23 times an hour like you become become cognizant and and self-calibrating and you go oh my goodness you know harrison's picking me up i'm noticing and you just go oh my goodness like we're just always touching our faces so it's going to be a always. really hard habit to break yeah yeah but again this is a new normal so but we'll get through it yeah it'll be good but, uh, we will we will there's a great opportunity in 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 every um in every uh um you know, calamity, you know, for, and, and hopefully it will become a more amazing, more cohesive people as well, as we all, you know, learn to care for each other a little bit more. <laughs> very good. Very well said. Thanks again, Perry. You have a great night, ma'am. All right, bud. Love it. Thank you, man. Right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Cleaning Podcast. Send all of your cleaning questions to the cleaning podcast at servicemonster.net and be sure to subscribe to the show. Special thanks to our expert today, and remember, if they could clean it themselves, they wouldn't need an expert like you. <laughs>